0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American Patriots, scorned and forgotten taxpayers, and all around expendable Americans to the one and only CR podcast here at Blaze TV for another brand new week. Really our last full week here for this wretched year of 2020. Daniel Horowitz back in the house. Now I'm recording a little earlier on Sunday today, but you're going to get this on Monday because I'm going out with extended family to check out some houses, rural property, an oasis of freedom in a tyrannical anarchist country yearning to be free. We're all going to have to do this. Where do we go from here? Now, as always... This show is growing by leaps and bounds, and I think a lot of you tune in because you know I'm going to give you a perspective and provide you with very broad but specific at the same time long-term information of how we got here, where we go from here, how it relates to the Supreme Court's decision over the weekend not to take the Texas lawsuit, all but ending any major litigation avenue for election fraud, And you're not going to hear the typical Republican versus Democrat, partially because there is no Republican versus Democrat. All the garbage is on the same side. And I think the more fundamental question is, it's it's certainly not just about Trump. It's not even about election law in a vacuum. It's not even just about the broken one-way street dead-end nature of the federal judiciary. But it really zooms out as far as the broken, one-way street, dead-end, entire political system for people like you and me. And when I say people like you and me, I don't mean necessarily people that consider themselves conservative or flaming right-wingers. I mean for all of us that fit into the following category. You're not asking anything for government. You're not asking for any particular regulations, subsidies, handouts preferential treatment. You just want government to not control your lives, control your personage, to focus on national security at a local and state level, to focus on legitimate violent criminals that harm our own liberty. Leave us alone. Don't give handouts to businesses, but don't go after businesses Don't tilt the playing field towards Amazon and Walmart. And we're not even asking government... To promote conservative traditional values as it really did for 200 years. But just don't shove on us trannies and insanity. And leave us alone. I I think that description really ropes in the majority of Americans, especially those who have families, but not necessarily only those who have families. And the broader lesson from this Supreme Court decision is go to hell. You and I have no avenue to turn to. Everything is heads they win, tails we lose. And what's interesting is, mechanically, the Supreme Court decision not to to take the case doesn't really change much. They were never being asked to determine the outcome of the election. They were just being asked to push off the safe harbor day by a a week so the state legislatures could further investigate and and just to declare these changes to state laws unlawful, not that the court would do anything with it, just declaratory judgment. Ultimately, it was always going to be the state legislatures who would have to appoint a slate of electors if they disagree with what the Democrat Party, empowered by the secretaries of states, did in those four states. And ultimately, ultimately, it would be incumbent upon Senate Republicans to block certification of Joe Biden. And ultimately, that was never going to happen, not because of the courts, but because Republicans suck. But the truth is, we are in the position we are in in the courts Because Republicans suck. We only had to ask the courts to get involved. Because the courts have gotten involved at a lower federal court level for 15 years. Shredding every single voter integrity law and policy. And we're only in this position politically because Republicans suck at a political level. This is the broader point you're not going to hear from anyone. Now, let, let's be very mechanical at first, just to look at it from the court's perspective. And then we're going to zoom out at their appalling hypocrisy, but also the hypocrisy of those on the pseudo-right or the principled conservatives and the phony establishment Republicans that are cheering on this as a very you know principled exercise in judicial restraint, their gross hypocrisy, and why every decision of the court Cuts against us every time, all the time. And why we have no avenue in the current political dynamic. And why every political idolatry has been slayed before your eyes. Every golden calf. And you have nowhere to turn but to God. And really to start plowing a new political system at a very local level. That That is what has been proven. So again, mechanically, nothing much has changed. As I noted they were never going to determine the outcome no one was asking them to determine the outcome it always you know hinged upon the desire of the republicans in those four states and the senate republicans to fight the certification and they were never going to do it the only reason why we wanted to go to the court is two reasons and this a lot of people are forgetting this is number 1 The courts are the ones that destroyed the election laws that got us here to begin with. So it's like, hey, Supreme Court, patrol your own stupid lower courts. And number two, it's only because in the minds of all these people complaining about the lawsuit. That the courts are supreme and the state legislatures have no right to deal with it is why we felt we'd play their game and have the Holy of holies, Supreme Court at least give declaratory judgment. and Say, look, these changes were done unlawfully. So it would give, we're not asking for a legal consequential outcome judgment from the court. We're asking for just a kind of a pro forma ceremonial declaration, which would just give more political clout to what ultimately the state legislatures and the Republican Senate would have to do. But, of course, they wouldn't have done it anyway, even if the court would have done what we wanted them to do. That's the reality here. Now, what happened? Alito and Thomas said, look, it's an original jurisdiction case because it's a dispute between the states, so we have to take it up. But we were stating no, basically no opinion on the underlying merits. I think... Deep down, I think they're with us, but they felt once they didn't have the votes. I'm not I'm not defending them not writing a dissent, but I'm just saying you can't necessarily read that they didn't dissent from it. They in their mind, they feel like this wasn't going to happen anyway. The Republicans are stupid and weren't going to fight it anyway. Biden's going to be president anyway, so he's may as well save our political clout as so-called impartial ju- justice is. For the issues, perhaps, Corona fascism and things like that. Now, you'll see, we're going to talk about this later, we're never going to benefit from the courts on that anyway because we're never going to have the votes, but at least those two. Now, as far as the other three are concerned, I'm not even getting to Roberts, but the three Trump appointees, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and and, uh, what's her name, Um, Amy Barrett. Look, I warned you guys. They wouldn't even rise to the level of Alito, much less Thomas. After all that idolatry, vote Republican. Because Republicans are going to save you. Well, Republicans don't do anything and join with the left in every legislation. Well, Daniel, it's the judges. Ha 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 See, if nothing else, I'm actually a little bit happy about this. Because I want the last idolatry to be slayed. I wrote a book on this warning. It was a thesis and I even wrote a separate article four years ago. I think it was like 11 reasons you can Google Daniel Horowitz, 11 reasons why the judiciary is irremediably broken. And I made this point with the rules of standing. They always rule against us, but the left always has standing for everything they want to do, no matter how egregious it is. But before we go into the portion of this that nobody else is going to give you. Let me first preface by giving an analogy These so-called principled conservatives, they're like, I don't know, Daniel. It's not right for one state to complain about another state's election policies and the precedent sets of going to court and getting Article 3 standing based on that. Aside from the fact that they never had an issue. When or, or even if they did, they would like yelp about it, but they would never suggest what I suggest, and in fact, they would call me a pariah for saying we should ignore the courts, when they would get involved in fundamental political questions that affect the whole of the people in the course of ordinary litigation, they weren't just random bankruptcy cases, civil law cases, criminal law cases, we were, again, we weren't asking them to award Trump the victory, it was very mechanical what we were asking them to do. But even had we been asking them to crown Trump as president, ironically, that would not have been as egregious of an invasion of a political issue by the judiciary as they have done every year, including this year, declaring a man a woman, Gorsuch's transgender decision in Bostock, marriage, transgenderism, life, the definition of a citizen, the DACA cases, The census cases. I could go on and on. Those are much more long-term damaging to a civilization and to the political system than even a court literally determining the outcome of an election. And I've never heard these people join me lying down on the tracks in front of that lawsuit. That lawsuit can't go on. That doesn't have proper Article 3 standing. That is not something a court should be deciding. Suddenly, they find religion. But you know what the analogy is? If you understand what has been going on in the courts, specifically the federal courts, and election law, it's this. Imagine, God forbid, someone kidnaps your wife and is holding her in the attic of a... um, State or federal owned property. Even someone else's private property. But but for for our matter. Let's say it's state or federal property. Do you know what these guys are like? These thumb suckers. And you know who they are. These writers at National Review. And and all these guys. They're the equivalent. Of a guy who would say. You know what? Man I, I need to save my wife. It's really bad what happened. But you know what? I can't break the window to get in there. I can't, you know, throw a flashbang in there and and uh, you know, storm the thing and shoot the dead and and save my wife. Well, because I'm going to destroy federal property or state property in the process. Mind you, you had no hand in getting involved in that and putting those state or federal property on the line. It's all it's all the fault of the kidnapper you're going to you're going to be very principled. You're going to rise above it and you're going to let your wife be raped and killed. Because you know what? Man, you, you know the, the means don't justify the end or the ends don't justify the means. We can't break into that federal property. Now, my analogy is not even apt because it's even more than that. It would be the equivalent of the same owner federal or state whatever having enabled that kidnapper to hold your wife in that very building and you would still say, look, I can't get in there. What I mean by that is this. Senator Lamar Alexander on Sunday was on Meet the Depressed and he told F.U. Chuck Todd, quote, Republicans believe that states are in charge of elections. I'm having a hard time figuring out the basis. For that lawsuit. Republicans believe. That states are in charge of elections. Really? Wow. Folks. For the last 10 years. I have written probably 100 columns. On every single time. The states try to either enforce. Existing voter integrity. Measures and laws. Or implement new ones that were very sane and common sense and well within the terms of the state and federal constitutions. Every single one, the lower federal courts, have intervened in state affairs. Yeah, we're told they're not supposed to do it, right? States control times, methods, and procedures of the elections. The federal courts nullified every single thing they've done. I'll never forget when I had An activist, super activist in North Carolina, tears in her eyes, when she showed me a picture of a sign outside a polling station that said no photo ID required after she fought so hard to get it implemented. The state legislature, the governor, it was enshrined in the state's constitution. And the Fourth Circuit, that is a federal court, said no. And Republicans never followed my advice to say, "Look, just like they're saying now, this is a state issue. The Constitution is clear about that. Federal courts have no jurisdiction." And also, how do you have Article Three standing for the ACLU and these random like NAACP to bring standing? Show me a person that couldn't get a hold of a photo ID and couldn't vote, and let's have a case. But you can't just shoot at a broad thing. How do you get standing? I don't like photo ID. Well, what about it? Can you not get one? The state provides it to you if you don't have one. But they always get standing. never a problem. Some of the very same states that are that we're talking about, we are only in this position that the Democrats have this much power because of a cascading effect of a series of lower court federal court rulings that have thrown out everything they wanted to do. The Democrats control the governorship of North Carolina to this day because of a margin of ballot harvesting that is illegal pursuant to state law, but the Fourth Circuit said you have to do it. Democrats hold two federal House seats in North Carolina – Because of a Fourth circuit redrawing of the maps after the Supreme Court eventually said federal courts can't get involved, but it was too late. Every single case. Do you know in Arizona? Arizona has become a blue state. And a lot of these states, North Carolina, because of the judicial gerrymandering that they've given Democrats so much power that has enabled them to win elections they prevented, they've gutted every single, you can Google it, Arizona court case. There's been court cases for the last 20 years. You can't show proof of citizenship. Can't do this. Can't prevent illegals from coming in. And then also, it's not just on election law. What they've done on immigration law, they've prevented them from keeping illegal aliens out of the state, which has A, enabled illegals to vote, but B, they're counted in the census. Do you know that the Democrats will likely hold a margin of control in the House of Representatives only with the number of seats that they illegally gain from counting illegal aliens in the census. They're likely not going to have more than a five, six seat majority. There's at least six seats that are one, California, several other states in urban areas based on counting illegal aliens. So the courts gut everything states, and and it's not just election law, This year, last two years, the state of Idaho simply wanted, or the city of Boise, to clean out homeless encampments. Nope. The the Ninth Circuit said, you can't do that. A city issue. There's, There's a constitutional right to camp out in the streets. You don't have a constitutional right to own a damn business. To breathe without a damn mask. To send your kids to a private school. Curfews are fine. But you have a right to camp out in any part of the city under any circumstance. And the Supreme Court upheld that Ninth Circuit ruling. The conservative Supreme Court. You know what else they did? The Ninth Circuit. They said that states have to fund castration, so-called surgery, for a child molester that now feels he's a woman in Idaho prison... And the Supreme Court allowed that Ninth Circuit ruling to stand. Whether it's defining sexuality, whether, it was, whether it's defining marriage, whether it's simple, basic healthcare regulations on abortion clinics. I'm not talking about even abolishing abortion. But the Gosnell laws, every single lower court says fakes can't do that. Supreme Court has, uh, has greenlit those lower courts to do that. So it's a a growing momentum of political outcomes that have empowered Democrats in state after state with ill-gotten power they never would have gotten without the federal, illegal federal judicial intervention in state affairs. And I never heard any problems. Arizona was prevented from merely echoing and complimenting federal immigration law. Yet at the same time, these courts were like, man, that's a federal issue. You can't do that. Then comes New York and California. They say, we're not only going to not enforce the law, we're going to criminalize the enforcement of federal immigration law. And not only didn't the courts have a problem with that, but when the feds wanted to cut off minor funding to these states, nope, states have a right. States have a right to violate federal immigration law. And also have a right to federal grant funding, but a state doesn't have the right to simply enforce its own law. A state doesn't have a right to define a man as a man. A state doesn't have the right to define a marriage as a marriage. A state doesn't have the right to withhold castration operations from prisoners or funding castration under Medicaid, which was a case in Wisconsin. The federal courts ruled against them. To this day, there's a county in North Carolina that cannot pray at the beginning of their county council session because of the 4th Circuit. You want to talk to me about Article 3 standing? How the hell does someone get standing when council members, without they're not forcing anyone. This is not like a school event. This is their own council meeting. They're not bothering the citizenry. Someone's saying Jesus or something. Who gets standing for that? And the answer is because it's a one-way street and it's a dead end because you and I are expendable. So I don't want to hear this garbage. You send this show to any of your friends who are like, I'm I'm principled. I think this is a, a state issue. The federal courts can get involved. Do you understand? In this election, the reason we don't have matching signatures in Pennsylvania is because of League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania v. Buckoffer. August 7th, 2020, that is a federal case. That's not state court. Eastern District of Pennsylvania. That forced the settlement. Same thing in Georgia. Same thing in North Carolina. North Carolina, Trump ultimately won. But I think as you all know, Trump was slated to win by four points or so. Four or five points. And it was very close. They almost wound up pulling it off because of the cheating. So here's the dirty little secret. We are only in this position because the federal courts have raped the states. Have denuded them their ability to govern on anything, but particularly election law. And then suddenly we go to the federal court, the Supreme Court, and like, so if we go to them before an election, oh, you don't have standing. Talk to the wall. And that's literally literally what they did in Pennsylvania. Then we come afterwards, well, I don't find a good avenue here. I don't see good standing. This is where we are. You know, in the same week, a stinking dinky federal district judge ruled that Trump must take an affirmative action... To violate federal immigration law and hand social security numbers and work permits to illegal aliens that were amnestied by Obama. Alexander Hamilton, Federalist 69. He contrasts the power of a president to a king. And he used this example. The one, meaning a president, can confer no privileges whatever. The other, meaning a king, can make denizens of aliens. And now we are to believe that a dinky federal judge could do more than a president and a king put together. There's nothing a federal judge can't do, except when it's our side that has very clear grievances that were created as a result of federal courts. Remember, the Supreme Court is not supreme over the other branches, even though it thinks it is. It's supreme over the inferior federal courts. But that's the one area over which it will not wield its superiority. Pathetic losers, these people. But we have a broken Republican Party. See, if you had a normal Republican Party, you could make lemonade from these lemons. All right. You're right. Article 3 standing is a big thing. Courts shouldn't get involved in political issues. Therefore... Every time a federal court says, you must give DACA. Well, no, we're not doing that because you don't have a standing for that. Illegal aliens don't have standing. Uh, You must. You can't show photo ID. No, we're going to require photo ID. See, I'm fine with that. But of course, Republicans listen. Because Republicans support the Democrats and their frauds. Oh, Daniel, this needs to be done politically. But then they don't want to do it politically. They don't want to do it in the legislatures. Mark Levin was the only one calling on these people to preemptively, before the election results were known and it would look more political, to nullify what the courts are doing and just pass a concurrent resolution and say, look, these votes are null and void. It's a lot easier to do that beforehand. But nothing. So I'm sorry. I don't want to hear, Daniel. I don't think that's such a principled lawsuit. I don't know. It's kind of murky, Article 3. We are only in this position. I, I I want to I want to put a finer point on this. I want to put a finer point on this. The the typical Republican dogma is going to be like this. Look, you know, we we did pretty good. It's only Trump. He's not going to win anyway at this point. There's no way to do it. Biden's going to be very unpopular. We're going to win a crushing election in 2022, just like we did in 2010. And we'll have control of all these states. Now, we would have to engage in willing suspense of disbelief on two fronts and somehow indulge the notion that Republicans could still win elections with the mail-in fraud that we didn't have to this degree in 2010 that we will now have as a result of them standing down on this. But let's say they could win. And let's say, and we'd also have to indulge that Republicans would actually pass meaningful things, which they rarely do. If you overlook those two things, it is a very strong likelihood that Republicans will win back the governorships in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, as they did in 2010. Typically, if a Democrat is president, Republicans have the legislature ready, the governorship, they would win the governorship. They typically would. So they have the trifecta back. Daniel, that's the proper way of doing it. We win the election and then we pass you know photo ID and and ballot harvesting and we and we handle this. Okay. now indulge me here. Here's the problem with that line of thought. It ain't gonna happen. You know how I know that because it already happened. Republicans had control between 2010 and 2018. In Arizona, in Georgia, in North Carolina, in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. They had the trifectas during that era from 2011 to 2019. Okay, so, you know, they won, they won in 2010. They lost a lot of the power in 2018. Election was a bad year for them. Okay. Republicans do very few good things with their power. But the North Carolina legislature actually did a couple of things. Every single thing they did was tossed out by the Fourth Circuit. Every single thing. Because then there's no one out there on TV, right, phony right and left, saying, I don't know, guys, that's not a good lawsuit. Where's the Article 3 standing? I don't know, that's a state issue. That's not a proper avenue. The federal courts get involved. They have no problem when a freaking district judge comes determines the future of the most salient political issues, much less the Supreme Court. To this day, Democrats have millions of votes, of illegal votes, that are enabled, not even by the Supreme Court, but by lower federal courts. And some of these cases you might say, hey Daniel, they were state courts, they were state Supreme Courts. But part of that is only because of the federal courts. In other words, the left goes where they need to go. If they can't win in the states, they go to the feds. So what happened was they went to the feds and the feds gave them what they want. And that created a cascading effect of Republicans losing power and losing elections. So then what happened was over time, Republicans did wind up losing control of the North Carolina and Pennsylvania state Supreme Courts to name a few. But again, that in itself was enabled initially. It was catalyzed by decisions of district judges in the third and fourth federal courts of appeals. This is the presentation no one's giving you. It's not something you can walk away from. It has nothing to do with Trump. You can't win elections with the mass mail-in fraud. The apparatus And the thing is, it has been legalized at the front end. The premise for it, meaning, let's say I have to break into a building to steal. That's pretty hard because I'm not allowed to be in the building, right? You know, if I'm caught there, I'm going to, you know, be arrested. It's going to be a problem. But if you're allowed to break into the building, and then once you're in it, you could start stuffing your, you know, stuffing files and whatever's, you know that that's the thing so to to just take my analogy to reality here that's what's happening the mail in the ubiquitous mail in electorate just transforming our elections that is analogous to just like breaking into the building and they could do it open it's not breaking in they could walk right in and that's considered so called legal the fraud is inevitable from there you will not be able to win elections but my friends this is emblematic of a broader Problem that you and I are up against. It's not just election law, it's every law. I am all for fighting it out in in elections. But as I warned in my book, Stolen Sovereignty, you should read it now four years later, four and a half years later. It's prophetic based on what happened. I warned the following I said, unless we end judicial supremacism, here's what's going to happen you could work hard to win elections. And I said, Republicans suck, so it doesn't matter. But let's say you get your favorite Republicans. Let's say you get a Ron DeSantis in every single place. Here's what's going to happen. They're just going to take everything you do to federal court, and they're going to win 9 out of 10 times. And unless we push back against the notion of judicial supremacism and delegitimize it, bring back the Lincoln view of the courts that you know if they want to give standing illegally to determine a broadly political issue... That's their prerogative to do, but they have no enforcement mechanism, and we as separate, co-equal branches, executive, legislative, really stronger branches of government, we will do what we feel is in accordance to state and federal law, constitution. But nobody heeded my warning, and I warned it's not just that the elections will be meaningless because anything we want to do with that will be voted out by the courts but it, I, I warned about this in my book you won't be able to win an election because they're also determining the outcome of election law and voter integrity and now we are living there so i'm gonna laugh at all these people that think oh daniel we have to vote republican it's gonna shave us elections. The two things that have been preventing us from fighting back on the local level, grabbing power back, working with local sheriffs to say, no, 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 we're going to follow the Constitution. Were these security blankets, the, the golden calves of elections, voting for Republicans and the conservative Supreme Court. <laughs> Look how that has worked out. In some ways, maybe that's a good thing. We'll finally do what we need to do. We'll finally go where we need to go. But this is the irony federal courts are shredding every state issue while this is happening. And none of these principled conservatives are like, look, this is a state issue. The feds have no right to come in. Null and void. Nope. Isn't it cute? They all sound like me, making the Article 3 standing, redressability arguments, the political question argument. It's so cute. So, so cute. But I just want you guys to know for all of time, we only have this sort of electoral dynamic, both the election processes mechanically but also the political power that democrats have been able to amass to get them to this baseline that they were able to pull this off to begin with is because of lower federal courts that the supreme court has allowed to just officiously crush states at every turn without any opposition that is why we are here i just want to lay that down but folks, this is emblematic of a much bigger point. You know, a lot of people thought, and I I warned against it, I warned people, look Daniel, I don't like judicial supremacism either, but we're going to get conservative judges, and we're going to use the courts for our purposes. They want to think that courts could strike down state policies, uh, abortion and marriage and, you know, um, Medicaid work requirements, whatever we, we, we want to do. Well, you know what? We're going to use their thing, you know, the conservative court to strike down things when we need them to defend legitimate rights, Second Amendment, self-defense. And then we had Corona fascism. So you think like, well, if the courts are telling me illegal aliens have the right to break into the country and they're telling me that there is a human right to 30 days of early voting and to ballot harvesting and there is a right to straight ticket voting mechanisms on the ballot. Well, there's kind of a right to breathe free air without putting without gagging myself with a muzzle. There's a human right to have a business open. There's a human right to school my children. There's a human right to not have a curfew indefinitely. There's a human right to bodily integrity. You know, kind of like that. But you know what? Eight months into the greatest, most blatant, most protracted period of suspension, of foundational, of fundamental civil liberties in the history of the settlement of this continent, These conservative judges, of which we were told there are so many, up and down the bench, up until and including the Supreme Court. Somehow there's always a technicality that it never wins. Yeah, I know, the Cuomo case. Super, super, super technical, like, okay, when you're raping the society, you have to have the same standards for churches as businesses. The same capacity levels. If that's a victory, (laughs) pretty pathetic. Notice how they're never there for us. And again, you want to talk about Article 3 standing. We're not talking about like, I don't like public prayer. I don't like the election process. I don't like broadly political issues. I'm saying, look, Larvita McFarrer. We had her on Friday. She called me in a panic over the weekend. Since I had her on, she is now being summoned. The state attorney general is going after her. Where does she turn for help? What a lovely woman. What a God-fearing woman. I mean, this is everything the left always talks about. She happens to be black, four children, single mom, raising them without welfare, having her own amazing business, and it shut down, go to hell. She wasn't given any federal PPP money, Nowhere for her to turn. That is the most individualized case in controversy you could imagine. We should be able to get that to the Supreme Court in three minutes. You know, assuming the lower courts deny it and we appeal and appeal. If that was ever a federal civil rights case, I don't, don't, you know, I don't know what is if that isn't. But here we are, eight months into people getting arrested, fined, destroyed. And and, and like two out of 50 will win in a way that is so narrow it doesn't do anything for us. And it it, it tacitly green lights the broader fascism. One-way street, dead end. Which brings me to my other point. You know what else is a one-way street and a dead end? The police. I am dead serious when I tell you guys... I am at the point where I'm all for abolishing the police. Who do you think's going to go after Larvita? This isn't a state in Minnesota where they're able to block I-35 and not get in trouble, not get arrested. Carjackings are 500% in Minneapolis. Record murders, record crime. Everyone's being released from prison. She will wind up in prison. The police can go to hell. And I know the majority of them don't want this. A lot of them won't enforce it. But too many are. An institution of police is only being used for tyranny. So you know what? We have the anarchy anyway. They're not enforcing the laws anyway. The ones that matter. The real ones. Do you know where this is borne out? Let me read you a story. Where is this? Woman, this from law enforcement today. Our buddies there. These are good guys. Woman arrested for allegedly driving into people during BLM protest of ICE facility. A woman was reportedly taken into custody after having allegedly driving her vehicle into some pedestrians during a BLM-led protest on December 11th. Now... At approximately 4 p.m. that day, a vehicle stopped along 39th Street and 3rd Avenue. A few protesters were surrounding the vehicle. The driver of the vehicle accelerated running into pedestrians that were walking into the street. Okay? So, there is now a new crime. And we've mentioned this before. There is a new crime in this country to not get beaten up by a BLM checkpoint. It's a new law. And You might not have realized it's, it's past. BLM gets to set up checkpoints, and if you're unlucky enough to be surrounded by them, you better be beaten and hope you fare better than Reginald Denny. But if you try to run away from it and you hit them, you will be arrested. The police are not there. I mean, this is the irony. Where were the police to move these guys off the street? They weren't there, but they're there to arrest this woman. They are rare, they're there for COVID fascism. They are there to block us from self defense, but they are not there to protect us from the situation that requires that very degree of self defense. So, you police can go straight to hell. I am all for abolishing the police. See, this is where Republicans are stupid. It's kind of like, you know, I, I, I was having a good time with my kids. I was like, you know, teaching them the tug of war things, you know, people when kids kind of fight over things. So I, I showed them how, you know, you, you, you fight over something and then you like let go and the other guy goes flying. So sometimes you got to do that. Like, hey, you know, you, you feel that there's no Article 3 standing here. Fine. You're right. Go have it. You're right. Courts shouldn't get involved in political issues. Now you can't get involved in anything. Hey, you want to abolish police from infringing, from uh, enforcing the laws on BLM and uh, drug traffickers and gang members? Well, you know what? We're going to give you what you want. Let's defund the police. I'm all for that. If there's no police, then we could defend ourselves accordingly. If there's no police, there's no corona fascism. Well, Daniel, come on. You can't live if there's no police. There's anarchy. There already is. That's the point. At best, once in a while, they'll apprehend some of these cr- criminals. But anyway, the justice system lets them go. This is my point. We don't have a movement that knows how to make lemonade out of the lemons. This is what we need to start doing. And again, you know, we don't have too many more shows left till the end of the year. You know, Blaze goes on, it takes a long vacation. So, uh, you know, I, I would work through uh, up until Christmas, but, you know, we we will have time off during those two weeks. But we will try to get to some practical, local-level organizing ideas that I have. I'm going to have a very special partner in this show in the coming year that I want to talk to you about in the coming days. I'm actually going to head out and do a training with them. It's going to tie into citizens' patrols, self-defense training, constitution training, organizing at a local level. That's the best we can do. Right now, we have a 50-state tyranny, 3,300-county tyranny. We could easily create 1,000 counties where we have full liberty in them. That is in our control. But we have to understand how we got here. And we have to understand that the same mindset of Republican voters that has gotten us to this position is not going to bail us out. And that requires slaying the idolatry and the golden calves of voting Republican at all costs and focusing on the Supreme Court as if it's going to save us, which I think you all realize the only thing that's there to save is the progressive left. Now, what I don't mean is to never vote Republican in any way. I'm not saying that. I'm not even telling people to withhold their vote from any Republican. But what I am saying is to take an all-of-the-above approach. An all-of-the-above approach. And that means when you're at a local level, we start building. And... What it means is when you're in a Trump plus 20 plus 30 county, it means that all of the local officials, the sheriff, the county uh, school board, the county commissioner, county executive, the prosecutor, they should all reflect our values. If they're Republican, that's fine. If they don't, that should be self-evident and they should be gone within the next two years. And between now and the next two years, we should be recruiting someone as well as pressuring and shaming them into submission. That should be very clear. And look, it's bearing fruit in some places. We need more of this. You have in Mossy Rock, Washington. This is in Lewis County, just south of all those liberal northwest counties in Washington state. I believe Trump carried this by 30, 32 points. Leaders in Mossy Rock voted unanimously to ignore parts of Governor Jay Inslee's corona fascism the restrictions on indoor bars and restaurants according to the new city ordinance the city will not recognize the orders they had a rally on saturday and it looks like they're pretty united so i think you know this is at least somewhat of a blueprint and then Wednesday is a very big day in Minnesota. Wednesday is when about a hundred different businesses, 150 different businesses around the state plan to open. There's strength in numbers. We have to have their back legally. We have to have their back emotionally. we have to have their back physically to be down there with them. Strength in numbers. It's about organizing locally, but again, not just, oh, focus on local politics the same way we erroneously focused on national politics. Oh, just who who are you going to vote for in a general election? Or even just to get involved in primaries, Although that's certainly very important. But to work on starting a new party, if it means a new party in all but name only, but you use the Republican Party temporarily for ballot access, that's fine as well. But you are all part of the Sons of Liberty, of the Patriot Strike Force, whatever you want to call it. And those that are already there, it must be made clear you are on board with us or you're gone. And not just to get involved in elections, but to engage on the issues and to build the community relations, make it culturally taboo for businesses to go along with this. Because that's a big part of it. They've gotten private enterprise to, uh, to sanction all this. You know, We have to find some way to get an airline to realize it's worthwhile for them to stop the mask fascism. That's a tough hill to climb. But certainly at a local level with some of these stores, we need to start working on that. We have no other choice. This really is our only avenue. It's going to take great minds coming together. I think we need a constitutional convention-style meeting. Obviously, the movement will be decentralized based on the local area, but united in some way like it was during the beginning of the fight against the British before the Revolutionary War. I think also Trump could be harnessed as well to play kingmaker. You know, the thought crossed my mind. Take a state like Ohio, trending very red, supermajorities in the legislature, How is it that we have Mike DeWine as governor? Yet, he is in cycle. He is up for election this cycle. The primary for the next midterm is closer around the corner than you think. It should be so obvious that he couldn't win the Republican nomination that he wouldn't even seek re-election. The quickest way to do that is to get Trump involved. And we need to think of recruiting candidates. I would recruit a guy like Warren Davidson. He's one of the few good House members, and he happens to be from uh, southwest uh, Ohio. I I would recruit him, but work ahead of time with Trump to have him come and do rallies for him. I think that is going to be a key element for Trump to rectify (laughs) some of his sins when he was president endorsing rhinos. Well, now he doesn't have to worry about party unity if he's no longer president. He could do what he's always needed to do. He could single-handedly flip tons of red seats for us and make them actually red. So these are just some ideas I wanted to go over. But again, I wanted to give you the intellectual background and the argument for why the courts are a one-way street, why the police are a one-way street, why we have to think about these issues differently differently. I'll be out most of the day today. We'll be back Tuesday. Shoot me messages at our private Facebook page, Minimum Speakeasy, before it gets taken down. You can always email me, dharowitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at Conservative before I get banned. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Stay armed, stay safe, and stay empowered.